Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Folks, whenever you hear this tone in my voice, you know I'm not happy because Andy and I are doing this. Obviously, because we're not working. Um, yeah, you guys are hearing this now in Arlington. But uh, again, COVID's kicking us in the nuts. It really kicked me in the nuts. But we're going to be in Arlington. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. But we're going Go to be in Arlington. Uh, the, the, what is it? The 10th through the 13th? And uh, then we're going to be following up uh, on Christmas Day to the 27th. We're going to be in West Palm for all the, the Jews that want to come out on Christmas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do, look, real quick, uh, do I sound echoey? A little bit. All right, let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the other room that we don't sound like an echo. Uh, I'm going to get you a microphone is what I'm going to get you. Yeah, probably need to. That's, that's, matter of fact, that's the Christmas gift. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I thought me and you was going to be COVID brothers. Yeah, I know. I scared you pretty good. Yeah, y'all. Andy caught the COVID. I got the Rona. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. <laughs> Coronavirus. Oh, man. Yeah. I really did. I, uh, and, I, uh, and Tara had it. And uh, we survived Corona, man. Yeah, I was concerned about you for a second, sir. Yeah. Like, really worried. Yeah, because I might have given it to you. Yeah, and at first I thought I I might have gave it to you because uh, my baby mother nephew had it, and I thought she gave it to me, and I gave it to you. But then I realized I wasn't sick, so I was like, "Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you might have gave it to me." But I got tested, and, and I was in the clear. Yeah, well, you may be asymptomatic. Uh, and again, that means you have it, but you don't display any symptoms. And the only way they would know that is if they gave you antibody tests for it. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming. I, I don't think you gave it to me. Uh, that I'm just saying, this is why Corona is so difficult. This is why so many people, uh, don't, uh, understand it. What the purpose of wearing the mask and not wearing the mask and who you're going to help. But bottom line is, uh, I survived it. I know there's some people that haven't survived it, but, uh, 
from what I've been told and from what other people have told me and from what I can now say, dude, it is just a big giant. It's a big giant flu that that feels like it was delivered to you from a kick from the ghost of Bruce Lee. Damn. That's what it feels like. I, uh, yeah. And, and, and still, even now, uh, I don't have the same amount of energy. Uh, and someone said it could take me anywhere from two, no, from another uh, two weeks to another two months before I get all my energy back. Damn. So even if you was to do like a, a five hour energy or a Red Bull, that, that ain't going to pep you up? It, it peps you up, but I think it just makes you shaky. You know what I mean? When you're, when you're tired, yeah. you, when you're really tired and you take like a Red Bull, you know how you get jittery because you're still really tired? I think it just right. I think it will make me more like that. I don't really take that stuff anyway. Uh, but whatever. Uh, I'm feeling really good. Uh, I didn't uh, put it out uh, on uh, social media. I, I did let a few people know who uh, Instagrammed me uh, why I wasn't answering back right away. I didn't want to talk to anybody, as you know, because you got you, 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 I felt the love and the hatred all at the same time when you finally got a hold of me. <laughs> Uh, no, listen, I, again, I was just more or less uh, concerned than anything. Um, and it's wild, man, because uh, I don't know if you saw that post from Ice-T about Coco's dad. Yeah. Like he, he he put and he showed a picture of him and he had the, the oxygen mask on and his eyes looked really fucked up. And he was like, you know, my father-in-law was a big no masker. He didn't believe in it. Now he sees that this shit ain't no fucking joke. Yeah. And it's a shame, that, you know. You have to learn the hard way, man. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. <clears throat> Both when my baby mother called me, when she called me and was like, yo, I got to tell you something. Please call me. Uh, of course, I had no idea what she was going to tell me. But then again, you know, I'm not around her nephew. So the real, but still the scare was that he might have gave it to her. But she also told me she got tested and then came back negative. So I, the fact that I don't hang with her nephew and the fact that she tested negative I wasn't really worried. When you called me, it was like, hey, man, I got to tell you something. And you told me what you told me. It really felt like you just told me, hey, man, I gave you gonorrhea. I'm going to give you gonorrhea. Dude. <laughs> like, it felt like an STD situation. Dude, everybody, I called a couple people that I had been around. And and and, and uh, for the people who watched the recording, I may have had it then. I may have. That's why I was worried that Aries and I sat right next to each other while we recorded that. And I may have had it, uh, but he didn't get it. So I don't know if I had it then or not. Uh, I definitely know I had it over Thanksgiving. But besides that, I had to call some other people and just say, hey, man, uh, I'm and you know what? When I got tested, the day I got tested, I felt all right. Uh, Tara was really not feeling well, and we went, uh, but I had been, I had not been feeling well. I've had, I thought I had my bronchitis because I get, usually get bronchitis when the temperature and weather changes. And then uh, I thought maybe it was like a little bit of a head cold. And uh, no, they said you should come in because I never had a temperature. I, and that's the, that's the key thing that I was looking for. Did I have a temperature? Because that's, that's usually, that, that's usually the big tell you have a temperature. I, I never had a temperature. Um, at all. So uh, I, I never thought I had it. I thought I had, like I said, uh, bronchitis maybe with the head cold. And so when the doctor said, yeah, why don't you guys come in? And it was kind of funny because they give you a video. First, all the doctors out here, you, you, uh, you go video. You don't uh, go to the office. They, they, they do a video appointment with you because they don't want everybody coming into the office. They want to minimize right. the traffic <clears throat> into the office. So uh, 
And then when she said, well, we want to get you tested, you and Tara both. So we went down and she said, so you don't come into the, you don't come into the doctor's office. You're going to go over to the doctor's office, but right before you get there, there's a parking garage. And you're going to walk around the parking garage till you walk all the way towards the back. And you'll see the back door of our um, office. And then when you get there, you call us. And it can take 10 minutes to a half an hour, but someone's going to come out there and do your test. <clears throat> so we, we walk all around, and it's this garage. And I felt like I was going to get an abortion in the 1930s. That's what it felt like. I was in a back. I was in the back alley abortion clinic. Uh, you felt like a Negro in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say 58, 50, 58. Uh, but yeah. So then they just, they swab you. Did you get, you didn't, you said you, when you got checked, they only swabbed your cheek. Uh, yeah. They, they first, you do it in your car. You drive up to the, to the site, the testing site and you stay in your car. <clears throat> and they have you roll your window down two inches. They give you the packet. Yeah, you just break a Q-tip off and you swab the inside of your mouth, put it in this little tube with liquid in it, <clears throat> drop it off in this little blue garbage can-like thing, and then drive off. And two days later, they tell you what it is. Nah, man, mine, they went up and touched my brain with... Uh, with yeah, that Q-tip <laughs> shit. I was like, nigga, I, did that, was that... I, I know it wasn't... Was it painful or just uncomfortable? Uncomfortable. Uh, Tara was laughing at me when it was getting done because the, the, the further they stuck the Q-tip up, the taller I got. <laughs> yeah, that, that happens also when you take it up your ass. <laughs> I, I gotta believe that when somebody shoves something in your ass, you, you do the Michael Jackson and you do the hee hee <laughs> and just play your toes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know about that, but I just know that I got taller and uh, I got my uh, and Tara was laughing at me because I was it, it, like I said, oh, 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 rage. <laughs> you, know, you know, I am this one, rage. You know who that is, right? No, I didn't hear no, no. it. It broke up. No, no. Uh, uh, rage. Hey, rage. You know, what I am this one. No, what is that? Our gay listener. Our gay listener. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Thanksgiving, man. I spent. Uh, I did spend it though. Uh, Tara and I had. Uh, we we celebrated with a few bottles of Gatorade. <laughs> oh yeah. And some King Hawaiian rolls. Big shout out to King Hawaiian rolls for being my Thanksgiving meal. That was about all I could eat. Yeah, man. Well, you know, look. I, again, I'm I'm glad you made it through. Uh, you know, I was uh, I was concerned really because I know you said you had the bronchitis. Um, and, and I was a little also worried from a greeting standpoint. I guess that's where, where you go. Uh, you could tell I was concerned and upset at the same time because I was like, yo, this is the fucking Roy Jones Tyson fight. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, dude, you, you got to see this. People are going to expect us to talk about this. And and you, I remember I hit you and, I, and you were like, man, I'm not going to be able to watch it. And I was like, yo, you can't. I've been to your house. It's five steps from your room. You can't walk five steps and record it. And you was like, man, it ain't happening. And I was just like, all right, let me respectfully leave this motherfucker alone. But then I thought about it. And I was like, yo, man, you can see it on YouTube. Yeah, that's what. That's why I, yeah. I wasn't At first, when you first hit me up, I was like, all right, let me see how I have to order this shit. And then I walked out to the living room and I go, fuck this. I go, I'm not going to talk to you for at least another week. I go, I'll be, right. I'll be able to get it on YouTube within a couple days. 
Right. So, so I just, you know, after it was all over and I started feeling a little bit better, I just watched it on YouTube. So uh, not the whole thing. You know, it's it was it, obviously they cut it up a little bit and you miss. Uh, you, right. you, I didn't get to hear all of Snoop Dogg's. Uh, per, uh, he, should, he, he, he should never do that again. People really I know, like I know, they, I, I know they did. I know they did. But I, I know they did. But come on, man. I, I you know, I, I, I listen. I just like the professional. I like the professionalism, you know. I, I like I like guys that are Max Kellerman and 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 Jim Lampley, who I know is retired now. Is it Jim? No, Larry Merchant, who's retired now. But Jim Lampley, Max Kellerman, you know. I, I like to hear the real perspective, you know. I, 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 you know, come on, man. Yeah, you know what? I always thought it would be cool though if like uh, BET did like a uh, street news. Right, and you had like those segments, but like from Snoop Dogg, or then you had other people giving out like you know what happened on the streets of New York today, uh, right? But like in it's called like street news, and it's regular dudes doing the news in 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 a in a more uh, street vernacular. Right, I thought that. Yeah, might- I, that's, yeah I, I think it. Listen, I know it was an exhibition, uh, <clears throat> and I didn't necessarily like. Uh, the special rules, even though I understood it, you know, these motherfuckers, Tyson ain't fought in 15 years, Jones ain't fought in three. So to have them go, you know, the, the, the traditional 12 rounds, three minutes around, excuse my voice. <clears throat> God damn, I might be okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad, yeah. we're, I'm glad uh, we're doing this from a distance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, I think it cheapened it. I, and, and, I, and I, I, I wanted it to be taken seriously, even though it was an exhibition. And I thought, Having Snoop commentate and some of the jokes, I think it cheapened it. I don't know. I I know that when you watched those two fight, when it was only two minute rounds, I think they took it very seriously. Each of those two minute eight two minute rounds, it looked very serious. Like I, you know, it's an exhibition. Tyson hits me with one of those punches. I'm done for the for, like, like COVID. I would have been out. So right, uh, you know that part. I took very. You know, I I, I felt. It didn't take away from the fight because they took the fight seriously. But I think not knowing how that fight was going to be, uh, they wanted some entertainment value. And I think Snoop brought that, though. I think they had enough entertainment value with all the goddamn rappers rapping uh, before, you know, before the, the main event. Um, listen, man, I don't know if it's true, but rumor has it that uh, Mike might have broke a couple of Roy's ribs. Um and I'm gonna say for the record, listen, I love Roy Jones. You gotta respect him. He when he, you know, in his prime, he was that motherfucker. But he, he should never ever put on gloves again. He looked all of 187. He he hit Tyson a, a few times. He gave Tyson a few good shots. Yeah, but it didn't do no damage. I, what I'm saying ultimately is Tyson looked like he could carry on. Like, like for a dude to be off for 15 years. And that's his first time. And he already looked good in training. If he were to, to, to continue to take it seriously, you know, and get his win, that was the biggest thing I got from it, is that expectedly, he was winded a little bit. Not like Roy, though. Roy looked like he needed an oxygen tank. You know, but, but Mike at least looked like, yo, if he could get a couple more test runs in, get his win together, I give him a shot at the title. A serious, I, I give him a serious, respectable shot at the title. Roy, oh, it's time. No, Roy's done. 
I, I and I appreciate what you just said, and I and I'm not disagreeing with you on most of it, but I don't know that you give them a title shot. I mean, you, you're talking about two minute rounds versus three minute rounds. You're talking about 15 rounds versus eight rounds. It could no, be no, no, 12, 12 rounds. 12 rounds. I've, yeah, it could be 12. Yeah, uh, but that's still four more rounds. Uh, it's it, you're talking about a bigger ring, a lot more movement. That was a small ring, right? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that that's. I don't know if that's Tyson's goal. I think Tyson has some inner fury that he would like to release, uh, and he managed it well because you could see how much love he had for Roy Jones too, uh, before right. and after. Not really before because he ain't going to show any love before. But and after they the called fight. that bullshit a tie. Yeah, and everybody was like, "That wasn't no fucking tie." No, but there Mike was one that shit clearly. There was a, Roy Jones gave him a few good, a few solid. Like if you were grading. Um, Olympic style fighting where it's the white part of the glove making connection. Right. He, Jones was still fighting. He fought good. I mean, I, I thought oh. I thought he put together some good rounds, but come on, if, if you're talking about just who hit who, who looked like they were going to send someone, knock someone out, you know, then, yeah. then it's Tyson. But, yeah. but, but that wasn't every single round. Jones protected himself, and he, he tagged Tyson a few times. He gave him – go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, you go, go ahead. I can, you're the boxing guy. I'm not really the boxing Jones, guy. Jones, Jones hugged his ass to a survival. <laughs> he grabbed Mike a lot. Yeah, now that was the only part that was dis- – to me that I, – and, I, and again, this is why I think you – the idea of what Snoop – and the way that they called the fight was some of that because that, that was a little much. I, I thought that they should have uh, been breaking up the hugs a little bit sooner. But again, it's an exhibition right. and you're talking about 50 year old men. Listen, I'm 55 years old. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get into fun. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to even arm wrestle. You know, I, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> and these guys are seriously men. And, we're on, you know, I, I don't want to say this like I'm a pussy, but. These are men, like men, like I'll eat your children, men. That's a, there's a difference between I'll eat your children, men, and a guy who walks down the street and makes sure that his surroundings are okay. Uh, I think when Tyson walks down the street, people still make sure they're okay. Uh, so I'm talking about a different type of man. And these are two men that can get in a, in a, in a ring and mix it up. And like you said, I think, that, I think there might have been some broken ribs. Uh, Tyson, they said that even in uh, uh, when he was training, he was he was beating shit out of people because he he he's throwing punches like no like like he's still and where you say he could fight still, not prime, but some solid fucking punches. Listen, he he never once caught Roy with a great face shot, and Roy, and that's again what we found out about Roy. When Father Time caught up to him and he slowed down enough to where you could hit him, he got no chin. And you're talking about a glass jaw meeting a wrecking ball. That, you know, that motherfucker would have went down. But Mike didn't tag his face not once. It was all body shots. And that might have been on purpose. I, I think it might have been on purpose. But, you know, that's how, you know, that's how Tyson used to win fights, though. He used to beat your body up. He used to break a few ribs, and then when you went to curl up, he'd give you that uppercut with some jabs, and you were out. Especially that. That's why I'm, that, but that's why I'm saying, you know, this was an exhibition. 
the, they had the one rule, no knockouts. Right. So that's why I'm saying I don't think Tyson was gunning for a knockout. No. But what I'm saying is that's why I'm going, look, let, let Mike have a couple more tune-ups if he can get his win right. I don't give a fuck. And everybody says I'm crazy. You put him in there with Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Joshua, and let Mike be Mike. I with that punch's chance, and he still is, you know, he ain't 20 year old quick, but he's still quick for 50. Yeah, no, he was moving. Dude, I give, he was, I give him a shot, man. He was a moving, he he was a moving target. He wasn't just sitting there just waiting for punches to come his way. I mean, he was moving. Uh, but I mean you think he's George Foreman like that? How, yes. how old was Foreman? But how old was Foreman? But Foreman had a body, a big body that you could throw punches at that wasn't. He weren't. Well, Foreman was forty five when he won the title. Okay. And Mike's what fifty one? Yeah, fifty one or fifty two. Uh, and right. if he's going to fight again, he's going to be fifty two at least in the next fight. Right. I don't know, man. I like hit like I think he's faster. I think he can hit harder than Foreman could hit hard, but I think he could hit hard. But Foreman had a body that you could punch up because he had layers of Foreman. There was right, he, wasn't, right, right, right. he wasn't thin, you know, but he was still in right. shape, and it was never his style where he had a bob and weave. He'd just come in and he would do that like car wash thing where he looks like right. he was just, you know. So that, that was a different style, but you know. Could you catch? Could could a younger guy speed up and catch Mike? Could they catch him? Yeah, I mean, look, look, definitely youth is on their side. So yeah, I think they could they could tag him a little bit. Uh, but then that's the other thing. Mike always had a chin. Mike always could take a punch. You didn't knock Mike out with one hit. He wasn't a one hit quitter. Bam! You had to beat him up. You had to beat him up. Yeah, and the you other- know, and I'm just and I'm just saying, man, with that power. And that, and my main thing is the focus. You know, those fights towards the towards the the latter part of his career, that against Kevin McBride, uh, Danny Williams. Though he was not focused, he even said it in his last fight when he when he when he sat on the stool and he said, "Yo, man, I'm out. I'm not gonna disrespect the yeah. sport like this, losing to this caliber fighter. No disrespect to Mister to Mister McBride, as you know, dude was standing there with him." He said, but I, I can't be losing to this caliber fighter. So, you know, he wasn't focused. A focused Mike Tyson, I swear, I think even at 50 is dangerous. Yeah, I'm not. It's fucking dangerous. No, I'm not. You can't deny that. I just, uh, I mean, that's a big comeback, though. Uh, but, I mean, he, he the thing that Tyson still has in his bag that he never let out, he, he wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't mad. He didn't have, right. you know, Michael, I mean, Mike has that, that instinct from like everything that he feels inside. And I don't feel like that came out in this fight at all. I'm from, I'm sorry, listed. I'm from Nancloth. I want to bury his heart. I want to eat his children. All praises do to Allah. That's still one of my favorite clips when that nigga goes on that rant. Yeah, you know, he wasn't that dude. No. And I, I think that that, I think the reason he fought is because that dude is still in him and he needed, he needed to let purge that. So, no, I don't. I don't think that he showed that, and that means that's still in there. And if someone wants to, if there's, you know, if it's worth a couple million of, of, to go into the ring, fuck, why not? He, he, he got ten million for that. Yeah, I know. That's. Hey. I don't. Uh, that's why I didn't want to give him my whatever you paid for. How how much was the fight? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I think it was like forty something dollars. Forty something dollars. Yeah, yeah I, think, I, I, think, I wasn't gonna pay. I, for, I wasn't gonna pay forty dollars for that fight. Well, let's talk about the guy who got paid six hundred dollars. Uh, Nate Robinson, nigga. Did you see some of the memes? Yeah. Oh, Danielle Rollins oh, has made some really good ones too, man. Oh, uh, he 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 had him underneath a Christmas tree. Oh, that's crazy! <laughs> I saw the one where you know the the classic NBA logo with Jerry West. Yeah, they took West out and put him in it, laying flat. <laughs> and, and, and you know, he said he was represent. First of all, let me just say this on some real shit. Um, I know the jokes come. But you gotta respect the motherfucker because and, and and Floyd Floyd funny thing is Floyd Mayweather supposedly wrote this big heartfelt thing to Nate, basically saying, Look, man, it takes a lot of heart to go in there and dedication to do the road work and put in the time in the gym and to go in there and actually know you could possibly take a beating or get knocked out and get embarrassed. Long story short, my heart is with you, brother. I stand by you. And then somebody wrote, uh Man, Floyd ain't say all that shit. Nigga can't need it right that shit. <laughs> that wasn't him. Because <laughs> um, that motherfucker's inability to read and write. Um, so listen, man, hats off to Nate. Because that that that's not easy. You know, I know I, it's 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 hard and I know the joke. Lord knows I know what about the jokes. Nigga, somebody fucked you up, you got fucked up. I'm still getting them. But uh Damn, nigga. Don't, don't, no, he don't need the box, man. No. Um, would I, and when they talk about Snoop uh, calling, the, calling the fights, that's where Snoop did his best calling of the fight. Because he talked about, like, he goes, this is the fight game, and if you don't, you can't just, it was more than about just getting to a ring. You have to take it seriously. And the way he talked about it, I mean, I don't think he disrespected Nate. I don't know if he, I don't know. He, if he, did, he, did, he, did, he did, because remember, when Nate really got knocked out, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Started humming some sort of like gospel. Yeah, yeah. You know, you go into the heavens. Yeah. That's, see, that's what I mean. That cheapens that man. Okay. Like, that, 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 come on, that's 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 not classy, dude. No, but it, this again, it's it's it, it, it. This was that was an amateur fight, an amateur exhibition. Uh, but dude, uh, who who's the dude that? It's funny because everybody talks about Nate, but who's the the YouTube dude? Logan Paul. Logan, Logan Paul, Paul, big YouTube guy. Yeah, dude, he looked like he could box. Um, I, it was against was Nate, but it looked like he could box. He just signed on to fight Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, Did I saw that? that. Yeah, I saw that. Dude, let me tell you something, man. There's something about Floyd I don't like, and it's that type of shit. Like it seems like he fights the easy fights. I know he's a great defensive specialist, but his fights are never exciting. He's always flaunting and bragging about his money. You, 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 you're taking fights like Conor McGregor, Logan Paul, some Asian dude he fought in some sort, some part of Asia that basically he knew he was going to beat. Like, he, he once said that he's better than Muhammad Ali. There's something about Floyd that just stinks to me. Listen, I, I, like I, I said, I'm not as skilled uh... – my not my knowledge of the fight game isn't isn't at your level. I, I will say though, it does seem like he only takes fights that he knows he's technically going to win. Uh, it doesn't seem. I mean, there was a time when I think he took fights that were uh, fights, but now I think these are script. These are these are um, 
what's, what, what, what's it called? We just, uh, they're not real fights. They're, uh, exhibition. Oh. they're more exhibition like he knows he's going to win. How do you, I, I know Logan Paul's younger than he is, but he's not a real fighter. He didn't put his whole life into fighting. And this and, and, and you're going up against one of the best ever. Yeah. Give me a break. Because Logan Paul isn't going to be able to hit him. Even if he has, even if let, let's pretend that power was this, he has that kind of power, which I don't, it's like, again, it's an exhibition and he fought someone who is a basketball player, not a boxer. And he knocked him out and it, it was a solid knockout. Okay. That being said, now we're talking about a guy who's a defensive specialist who makes made his living on not getting hit. And now you're going to fight a guy who doesn't know really who, who isn't a dedicated fighter. Most professional dudes can't hit him. Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather has only gotten rocked twice. Once against Zach Judah and once against Shane Mosley. That was the only time I seen him get hit flush to the face and he did the Harlem shake. But then he quickly recovered. Right. So what is the purpose of this this fight? It's ridiculous. So, yeah. And you know what you loved about Muhammad Ali was his humility, was his humanity. You, he, I think he had the quote where he goes, I treat the dude who's the janitor with the same respect I treat the CEO. No one is better than anybody. You know, and, and Floyd with the whole, you know, here's a picture of me sitting at my kitchen table and the whole table, which looks like one of those tables from the medieval times, the long fucking tables. And it's just money, stacks and stacks of money showing you all my millions on my kitchen table. Like, dude, we get it. You got money, nigga. But come on, man. You claim to be better than Ali. You're not even half the human human being that Ali was. You know, yeah, I would, I would rather take a dude with some losses on his record, but his character is bananas. His humanity is bananas. Than a dude who's 50 and old, who brags about his money, who takes stupid fights, who plays it safe, who's not exciting. Like, Floyd, to me, is just... Ah. I don't know. He had like a fine bitch with a bad attitude. So what? Uh, because, like I said, I'm not a big boxing fanatic. What, what's the what's the perception of him taking this fight? What are, what are the people saying? What are the fight people? I, saying? I know it's a joke. No, it's a joke. It's a fucking joke. So on the other side, you know, just to just to take a look at the other side and Mayweather. Fight Jamal Crawford, goddammit. Well, fight, fight Jamal Crawford. Okay. What's that Crawford nigga? Might not, I'm thinking a basketball player. But the Crawford, I think it's Terry Crawford or something. Um, okay. I, I'm, I, 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 like, again, I don't know enough to say this. I just, uh, to me, this is just a money grab. That's all it feels like. Yeah. All right. In other news, um, dude, did you see Kevin Hart's new special? Uh, no, I did not see Kevin Hart's new special. Everybody's dogging him, dude. Dude, I have, I haven't. I, seen it. I, I, ain't say, I, I, I haven't seen it either, and I'm not gonna say nothing bad or crazy. But yeah, every everybody, people are dogging him. And, and you know what's so crazy was he he gave out a statement. Uh, I, like I remember when he had the beef with Mike Epps, and even with me and him a little bit. He said Steve Harvey told him a wolf, uh, uh, the moon doesn't howl at the wolf. The wolf howls at the moon. Uh, the saying being, when you're the moon. You're too big and too important to howl at a wolf. Um, but clearly it bothered him because why would you release a statement? He basically released a statement saying, uh, it's amazing how many of y'all are saying my new special 
ain't funny, but I seem to be doing well for a guy who's not funny. So if it don't, if, if you ain't supposed to howl at the moon, why are you giving a fuck? Especially when your special's called No Fucks Given. I, I, Zero Fucks Given. I think as any person that has any uh, heart, I, I, I think you, um, I mean, of course you want to defend yourself. I mean, you put it out there. I mean, listen, I, I haven't seen it. And I haven't seen it not to be disrespectful. I really try not to watch a lot of uh, uh, of comedy specials. I, I, I watch them if we're going to talk about them. Um, but I'm glad I haven't seen this one yet because I didn't. I, I really would rather not talk about this one. But I, I would like to see it eventually. But here's my my thing. You know, when we go out on the road, we perform, and the audience lets you know how that joke is working. And if you need, if you have the right tags and if you have the, if you need the better ending if you need the if the punch isn't strong enough the audience lets you know so i don't believe that this is uh he just put this out there and it's a bad special maybe it's it maybe it wasn't hit the right nights maybe it wasn't recorded the way he wanted to we talk about uh prior when he went to record uh live on the sunset live on the sunset strip and then he he gave people their money back that night because he didn't have it and he did. He performed the next night. Right. I, I I don't know because I haven't seen the special, so I'm not trying to put any of that on Kevin Hart. All I'm saying is, you he he had to have something that he felt was reasonable to go uh, for a special. Here's what I'll say, just in defense of Kevin. People don't understand, man. It's like anything else. You cannot everything you do, even when you're hot. At some point, you cool off. Now, I'm not saying he cooled off, but I'm saying Jordan had a bad. Jordan's had bad games. Ali lost fights. I don't care how good you are at something. The longer you do it, at some point, you're gonna have the opposite of what you're used to. Yeah. Now, the majority of the time, because you are great and you are talented, the majority of the time, you will be your work will be passe shit, man. But every now and then, yo, the longer you keep doing it, everything ain't going to be on the same level. And look, he's put out special after special after special, and all of them have been gigantic, well-received. So, you know, is this a bad game? Maybe. But it's hard to keep churning out hit after hit after hit. No one does that. Well, and that, and that's the other part of it. And uh, we've had this conversation before about – I feel comedy's in a, not in a great place now for several reasons, and I, I don't put Chappelle in this because Chappelle has hours and hours and hours of, of comedy that he hasn't released, and he's working on other things, and he's doing something different right now. But the uh, the, the standard comic, we used to take get five years in between a a, a release, an album, uh, whatever whatever they call it now. I don't even know what you call it these days. But specials. Uh, specials, okay. You used to get five years in between specials. There, you, you, because material, good, good great material is, is worked. It's refined. You know, I, I've heard people work on, on a special for five years, and then after they record the special, that next night they do the joke, and they think of a better tag or a better punch that they've had in, in that that they've been working on for five years. 
we don't right. we're not doing that right now because everybody's so excited to to get out an album every year or sorry a special every year i'm really dating myself but they want to i know <laughs> i know but they want to get that special out and you know maybe the reason i, I i'm not I'm, I'm having a hard time calling the special is if you do one every year how special can it be well listen that, that, that's when i think it falls on the talent specifically uh because look, man, of all of Chappelle's specials, I don't. I, I, to, to me, the softest one, or the one that I didn't didn't blow me away the most, <clears throat> was the one he did in the belly room. I still thought it was cool, but out of equanimity, out of uh, telling him softly for what it's worth, sticks and stones. That one to me was. If he were Jordan, that was like a 20-point game versus a 40. Um, yeah, but but, it, but... but but So I'm saying that to say when you go, how special is it if you're constantly putting them out? That motherfucker put out four in one year. But, okay, we're also talking about a guy who was not producing specials for 10 years. Right. He was doing comedy a little... He he was he he was working on material. This is also a guy who can go do eight hours of stand up in one night. I mean, there's a difference. I'm not I'm not saying I'm saying that's why I said with Chappelle, he's on something different. He's working something different. He's on a different. He, he's his program is different. I don't even know if what we in, in the next few years if we're going to call what he's doing stand up the way that we looked at regular stand up. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to suck his dick on this. I'm just saying that I think he's working on a direction where you're going to say, "Oh, that con- he took comedy in a different direction." Uh, yeah, I think yeah, he's the prior of our generation. I okay, think. so I, I remove him <laughs> from everything we're talking about when I talk about uh, what what comedy is, and and I'm not trying to to lower Kevin Hart, uh, but Kevin Hart has a, st- a standard of comedy that he does. Uh, and it is a very traditional type of comedy. Would you, is that a fair assessment? He ain't trying, uh, he's trying to be the best funny he can be. He's not trying to advance the art form. Well, listen, here's what Dave said. Dave said that Kevin said to him, I want to be the biggest comedian out there. Okay. He didn't say the best. Right. The biggest. Right. You know, so as far as rock star, sold out arena, and I know we touched upon this a long time ago, but again, I think Dave is considered the best. I always found it interesting when you say he's not the biggest. I think he could be if he wanted to be. I have a hard time believing Dave could not sell out an arena just the same as Kevin. I have a hard time believing that. But for whatever reason, he doesn't do arenas. I, he does theaters. I don't think that he would enjoy doing an arena. I think Dave think is, would like the intimacy. Yeah, I think Dave is doing the comedy that he wants to do. That's the diff- one of the biggest differences. When you talked about that belly room, that was, you know, you you've been in the belly room. That's a down dirty room, man. That is for comedy heads. That's for people that right. just enjoy. And you're going to go in there. That's not a comfortable room. That's not a room to go uh, spend X amount of dollars and have drinks come to your table. I mean, that can happen in that room, but that's not that room. A room is an uncomfortable. Right. It's an uncomfortable room when you're jamming eighty people in that room. 
uh, that was a different, that whole set was, was different. It was made to be different. And if you're like a comedy junkie, if you know comedy, if you know uh, the store, there's, there, that, that had its purpose. That had its purpose in, in, in Dave's uh, catalog of comedy. To me, that's I, how I, I like I like how Patrice once said he wants his comedy to be like a boutique. He don't want everybody to buy his drugs. <clears throat> you know, he wants a select clientele yeah. to, to, to buy his drugs. You know, so again, it's, it's interesting, the mindset. Like he, like, he almost felt like if his comedy was that major on that level, it's not as special. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, so, no, no, I, know. yeah, I get that. Uh, you know, there was a, there was a designer, uh, I'm going to show my age again too. This is before he was ever in <clears throat> department stores or whatever, but it was Sean Stussy and, uh, his, his label in the eighties was a big deal. And they said, well, what's the worst part about being a big name now? And he goes, cause you can't just go up to people and buy your clothes off of the people you don't want wearing it. So uh, it was, you know, the, every artist, I think, has uh, an idea of who they want to appreciate them, which is a really egotistical thing. But as an art, speaking as an artist who tries to keep whatever ego I have in check all the time, I get that. I, I get that you don't, there, there's, there's certain uh, people that, you don't want you don't see your comedy reflected in them, but that's a judgment on also us for for, for looking at someone and going, I don't think you can appreciate what I'm doing. Uh, but again, though, when you when, when when we talk about Dave, I think his work is in a different. He's working for something that I don't see yet. Uh, just like when you were thinking about. Uh, if you think about computers and you think about Steve Jobs and you think about who was thinking that they needed a stick to play their uh, their their music on, right? You know, we weren't thinking that way. There's people that change the direction of things, and I think that Dave is the Steve Jobs of comedy. I think that he is working in a in something that we don't even that we don't see quite yet. And I, I know maybe I'm making it out bigger because. Uh, uh, I'm in total, and this is even more important than awe of his work. I'm in total respect of his work, and I think that that's why I, I don't put him in that category. When I talk about uh, Kevin Hart, like you just said, to be the biggest that that's that's something that you can admire and uh, you can you can go, yeah, that's that's great. That that's a form of greatness, but it isn't the form of being the greatest. Mm, well said. Here, here. Um, you saw the Belushi documentary, right? Yes, I did. I saw the Belushi documentary. Uh, you know what? Uh, like I knew most of that stuff, uh, but I really liked how they did it with the stories behind it so that you got more, uh, right. and you got a deeper look into them. But I just want to tell you this cause you know how weird I am. Uh, I stayed at bungalow three at the Chateau Mormont. Before it was, really yeah. is, that, is that the bungalow he uh... yeah that he died in I stayed there I didn't try to stay in it I stayed in the bungalows because uh, we were, happened to be there and there was a bunch of us and it was cheaper for us to get the bungalow because it has it had like three rooms and a kitchen and the living room I think it's two rooms and a kitchen and a living room was this before he he did them off the sofa before he died or after? no this is after he died but they hadn't redone the rooms they were the same they were the same um, uh, that fake wood uh walls um it it, 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 it it was you know the, the chateau had fallen into uh disrepair so it, it was it was a little 
I, but I happened to have known that he had died in Bungalow 3. And so when I got there, I didn't want to ask for it because I felt that was creepy. And then they gave me Bungalow 3, and I was like, I didn't tell the people that were around me because they had no idea. Right. So you stayed there with people. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have stayed there by yourself? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think Belushi's coming back to find me. I just thought it was it was interesting to the story because uh, I stayed in the, I did stay there and it's it's there were some things that they talked about when you stay at the chateau, uh, uh, and there was some very interesting characters besides the, them. But I, I, going back to uh, the actual that that last night when he's at the chateau, uh, I, the most interesting thing that I didn't know. Uh, I kind of heard some things about it, but I didn't know the prior actually showed up at the store that night. And, uh, mm. and Mooney told him, nah, you, you don't, you don't need to do this. You don't need to go there. So what do you mean go there? Go. Cause Mooney went, uh, Belushi was looking for Mooney. I don't know if this is in this documentary or something else that I, uh, that I have seen. Belushi, uh, was, was at the store and he asked some of the guys, uh, if uh, if Pryor was going to come in because he wanted to, to see Pryor, right? And Pryor wasn't there yet. He came later, and uh, one of the people that he had told was, uh, um, see, this is who did I just say? Who's who's the, your Mooney? Mooney, yeah, he saw Mooney and he said to Mooney, "Is Pryor coming tonight? He's, he's, is he here?" And he goes, "No, he's not here. He might come later." And he goes, "Well, tell him because remember he left with." Uh, uh, I guess it was De Niro and uh, and what Robin Williams that were out right. that night, and uh, he said, "Well, make sure you tell him to come over. Uh, we're going to be at the Chateau, and that's just down. You know, that's just down the street from yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, but I guess Mooney told him not to go. He said, "I'm oh, so Mooney told Pryor not to go, not to go, not to go that night. Oh wow, wow." So it might have been two dead legends, maybe, but I don't, you know what? Now that's a different part of the story because you have to, you have to think about that. Also, Williams left, De Niro left, so there's a good possibility that Pryor would have went next. Pryor was uh, off off drugs at the time, right then. He it wasn't. He, yeah, but you know when motherfuckers, two birds of a feather flock together. Yeah, I know those pictures that they show of Belushi that night too. That greasy, sweaty. Uh, look, uh, man, yeah. I, 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 you know, um, uh, first, you know, it's just so weird, man. Like, like it just seems like the people. I, I was gonna say the people that don't want it as bad, but he wanted it. He, he wanted it bad, yeah. the fame and the success, because they said that in the beginning. Um, but so, so this kind of maybe you know. Uh, destroys what I'm about what I'm about to say, but um, it feels like the people that either don't want it bad or who will abuse it get it. Whereas some of the people who don't want to abuse it and want it bad can't get it. But like, like I, I, I listen, I'm, I'm watching this thing, and again, I'm speaking from a place that I'm not there, so I technically don't know. But I'm just, to me, in my own rational mind, I'm going. Like they said, you, you're in the hottest, your number one TV show. You 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 got the hottest band musically. You're in the biggest movie, Animal House and Blues Brothers. Why do you want to do drugs and fuck that up? Why? Because whatever it is that makes you that way, that makes you that 
successful person can also drain you of your life can take you down that road there's there's because you're becoming successful because you're missing something and that's why when you keep saying money is like an answer obviously money didn't answer that money isn't the answer when you're trying to replace something that isn't right in you and that's what that's what they're trying to fix and that's what gives you that extra ambition, that motivation, that rawness to, to, to go to another level. And if you aren't together, if you don't know who you are, if you're just doing it to replace a hole in you, that's where you can end up very easily. Oh, man. I, I would say, you know, I hate the fact that all these people seem to go without telling us what the void is, what the problem is. Give us the ingredients to the gumbo, damn it. Well, Give me the, what's in the secret sauce. They, they, do, they do mention it a little bit because after I watched this, uh, this, the Belushi thing, uh, there was another documentary that they had made, like, you know, those, um, uh, just, it wasn't E Entertainment, but you know how like E does a half an hour or 45 right, minutes. Right. So there was another one of, of that. And then they, they talked about him growing up in a normal... Um, uh, you know, immigrant, but normal immigrant coming to America, wanting to be an American household. Do you know what I mean? Just like he grew up right. in Chicago in what was considered a normal neighborhood. And it was, and you know how that, that didn't, that didn't have that effect on him. He, he, Cause he, they even say in this, it's usually when people grow up in, in a hard or weird or different, strange places that, that produces people, but he didn't grow up that way. But when you watch the special and you hear how he, they talk about his parents, his lack of connection with his father, um, his uh, inability to see himself other than as the entertainer, he was always entertaining his family. He was obviously they're showing you the things that are missing where you're not there with yourself. You're not happy. None of his friends were ever allowed to come in, into his house. He never had anybody come inside the house because he was embarrassed about who he was. Those are the ingredients. Those are some of the ingredients. You, you don't think it's just simply he fucked up, got introduced to drugs, and like with drugs, he got hooked, and that's it. Once, they, once the drugs dug their claws into him, he got hooked. No, because... It, 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 you know, you really think it's some deep internal... Oh my God, I'm doing these drugs because I, I'm fucked up somewhere mentally, emotionally, unbalanced. You don't think it's just, you know what, man? I slipped up and tried cocaine and fell in love with shit. Period. I, I think that can also definitely be part of it. But if you want to survive, and he did, he went to rehab, he hired that guy for the for a year and a half, what was it, 18 months or something like that, to be around yeah, him. To, yeah. He was completely clean. They talk about. Uh, 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 who's who's his, uh, who's the other guy? Not his his Dan, Dan yeah, Aykroyd. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd, man, me and my fucking names. Dan Dan Aykroyd uh, talked about being in uh, Martha's Vineyard that whole year, and there was no drugs. I mean, he had no reason to lie about it. Uh, the guy he hired a guy to keep drugs away. But see, this, this is what I don't understand. This is where things you know don't make sense to me. You hire a guy to keep drugs away from you when you're in your safest place. When he went to Hollywood is when he should have called that guy back up and go, listen, I, I need, man, I, I'm slipping. I've done drugs. I, I'm going to Hollywood. My girl can't go with me, who's my rudder, 
my anchor, however you want right, to. Right. I need you. Can you? Do you have time to come with me? Because I don't want to die. I I think there's right. a point where you just, you know, you give in because you'd rather feel. You rather feel good on. You rather feel bad on cocaine, or heroin, or speedballing what he was doing, than feel bad by yourself. Because at least one makes you feel a different. But I thought the whole. I, but I thought the whole point was that you don't. It's to escape feeling bad. You, you escape feeling bad, but I think when you're an addict, I, I think that you know, you, you're feeling. You don't feel bad at that moment. You feel good being high. But you you know what that's going to lead to, but it's worth it right. to you to get to that high, even though that you know how bad that is for you, your relationship, for your career, for whatever. Uh, what I found most interesting about that special is I didn't know uh, Lauren Michaels' disdain for John Belushi. I didn't either, and you know, <clears throat> the more I, I I hear about Lauren Michaels. Uh, because the perception always to me felt like I don't want to use the word asshole, but something about him. I'm Lauren Michaels. I have the power to decide your destiny. Like he always came off with that kind of bravado. Like he was just as egotistical as his stars. Well, yeah. Do you know the, uh, the character, uh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah, that that's that's a, yeah. a, a Lauren Michaels and uh, interpretation impression. Uh, right. Michaels definitely has, you know. He, but okay, so you say that about him, but then again, he's kind of right, isn't he? Doesn't he pick? Doesn't he I see mean, th- see things in a in a different way? I'll put it to you like this. Um, just like there's people who are talented in front of the camera, there are people in terms of there's levels to this. There are people in terms of talent behind the camera. There are good executives and bad executives. You know what I mean? So, you know, he was probably the Jerry Krause of the show in that sense. You know what I mean? Like just, you know, well, he got a little attitude. He got a little ego. He probably has a little right to have a little bit of an ego. Yeah. Well, but and to be honest, though, they didn't. They didn't work that hard. Uh, I don't think the Lauren Michaels initially worked that hard. He he took everybody from Second City TV, uh, a Second City, um, Second City, and then second people that were on the Second City TV, Second City uh, Chicago. He he. They had all these. There was a bubble. There was an abundance of talent for this at one point because there was nothing for them to do like this. Right. Uh, the, they talk about the uh, National Lampoon Comedy Hour on the radio. All those people were taken and brought over to SNL. It wasn't like he had he went deep into the jungles of comedy to find these unknown, uncredited uh, right, comedians. Right, right. I mean, because we didn't know about him at the time, that made everybody seem like these people came out of nowhere. But they were all working. Uh, I thought it was interesting when Ivan, I think it's Ivan, not Ivan Reitman, um, uh, Harold Ramis. Yeah, Harold. When he's talking about how uh, just a few years ago they were all working, uh, it wasn't about the money. They were they had jobs and they were working in the industry that they wanted to work in. It wasn't about money. And then a few years later, he says they're walking down the street and there's limos following them because you know. Yeah, that's crazy. So, dude, uh, 
Uh, not to cut you off, but remember the guy they showed in his band when they were young, Dick Basucci? Yeah. He was the showrunner for Mad TV. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, I, I told you, I, I think I told you this on the podcast, he pissed me off because, again, when we did that Oz parody, um, he took out key things that was, you know, that was in line with the show, and I thought it fucked up the skit because, again, he didn't watch Oz, but to him, some of what we did, I guess for him morally or whatever, his conscious, he didn't like, so he took the shit out. But I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that him and Dick Basucci were close like that. That's interesting. Yeah, it, it shows that if you're in this business long enough, though, there is uh, the, the connections uh, run deep. So there's always work for people that made the connections. Uh, I got to say, man, and, and this is this this I love that moment of honesty because people try to act like and, and listen, they, the, the whole point was John Belushi was a powerhouse of a talent. He was just, he was a hurricane. But the fact that he was bothered in his first year that Chevy Chase was bigger, I love that because, again, people like to go, yo, you're bitter. It ain't got nothing to do with being bitter sometimes. Sometimes it's just, you know, like a, for lack of better words, a a competitive rivalry. Or, 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 Or you believe in yourself, you know how good you are. But it seems like, unless you are Muhammad Ali, it's wrong for you to say, yo, I'm nice. Yo, I'm good too. And the fact that he was upset that Chevy was getting all the shine, I love that honesty. Because it feels like if you say that, if you feel that, if you project that, you're either bitter, you're jealous, you're a hater, you, you, something's wrong with you. And I think that's an honest emotion. Yeah, well, and I think it was very well displayed. And you saw that being controlled by Lauren Michaels, because he would say, why can't I get these sketches? And you know why he wasn't getting those sketches. Lauren, that was Lauren Michaels' attempt to go uh, down, just down. You're not, I, I'm, I, I run this. You, you, I'm gonna, I can keep you number two forever. And he could have right. if Chevy would have wanted to stay for another. Yeah, and, but see, what was interesting, though, I well, know. Remember, they said, they said what, remember Lauren said what made it, Belushi's breakthrough was the samurai character. Yes. And I'm only saying that to say, yo, you can only be held down for so long. When you got the goods, eventually it clicks. Yeah, but he still could have kept giving other, telling the writers, write for this dude, write for this dude. Yes, you can do this for Belushi. No, I don't want Belushi in that part. Put this dude in that part. Uh, Even And think about it. When uh, when Chevy left and uh, Bill Murray came in, I mean... Everybody blew up at that moment. All of them blew right. up. So it, it was there to be done. It was how much, you know, uh, Lauren Michaels is one of the last gatekeepers in this industry that, that's still standing at the gate with his keys. Right. So, you know, you could, you could, you could, you could tell too, I think, and they even said it. It, was, it. it wasn't like it was, you know, a secret. Uh, Chevy had an ego, man. And one of the reasons why he left after the first season, because he felt so himself as a movie star. But that thing where he said at the weekend update, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. Yeah. Uh, which which kind of caught on. Uh, but then they showed the one where he goes, I'm Chevy Chase and I'm God. Yeah. I don't know that that was scripted. I think that was his ego. I think he said that. Possibly. But remember, too, Chevy Chase's ego. And this they don't talk about this because this is the Belushi special. 
Chevy Chase's ego came from the fact that Chevy Chase wasn't even hired to be an actor on the show. He was supposed to be a writer. They didn't want him to be an actor. The way Chevy Chase got his got the acting gig and not just the writing gig is he was at, trying to convince Lauren. They were at a dinner. There was a big puddle in the street and Chevy walked into the puddle and fell down. And cracked everybody up because of how he did it, what he was doing. And that was the, the, the we got to put him on screen. He, and then half of the time that he was on screen, he was falling down as one of the presidents, Gerald Ford. Right. Uh, so that, that gag uh, is part of his, is legendary in him getting on that show. The other thing that no one talks about, and, you know, you just said Chevy, you know, was wanted to be the big star and he he had the look at that time i think for hollywood he was like a lead they felt like he was a leading man look belushi wasn't a leading man look at that especially at that time right and uh but the person who was also on that show that they don't talk about is billy crystal was on, supposed to be he was still one of the writers and actors on uh, snl his skits got cut he wasn't in anything. Nothing that he wrote got on, and he left SNL that first that before the first show ever aired. I gotta say, dude, the only thing I know Billy 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 Crystal from is you look marvelous. You're, you're other than cool. that, you're cool. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, what was he known for? He was in. Uh, he played the gay character in um, in Soap, which was what really got him launched his career. Uh, fame wise, and then he, no, no, I mean on Saturday Night Live. Oh uh, no, no, on Saturday Night Live, uh, you look marvelous. That yeah, that that character. That was it. Yeah, I, I never said he was uh, he was uh, exceptional on Saturday Night Live. I said he was one of the original cast members who didn't make it onto mm-hmm. the show. Uh, he left. Right. I I think there's a lot more. I, I think I can't wait till uh, someone does the SNL and just goes behind and gets all the details. And and bring you know Damon Wayans. You know Damon Wayans was on there. No, I didn't. For a hot second. No. Yeah, he was a he. Uh, he tells the story basically. Um, I guess he's he's coming after the heels of Eddie Murphy, so it was like you know whoever came after that was just going to get crucified, and um, Lauren kept wanting him to do a bunch of shit that he didn't really want to do, so he purposely had to play a cop in a skit. But he made him ridiculously over the top, flamboyant, gay, and he said he purposely did that to get fired. And sure enough, Lauren fired him. <laughs> well, you know, uh, um, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. was yeah, he was also on SNL for a year. Was he? Yeah. Really? Yeah, with Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why it would be interesting to go through this and see which and to see who didn't ever even appear. That like like you just said, Damon Wayans. It'd be good to go through the. I would love to see the not ready and never got ready primetime players. Dude, listen. Um, just because you're talented doesn't mean everybody belongs. And, and that's what I'm saying about sketch. Everybody can't do sketch, and I think people automatically assume because you're funny, you can do sketch. That is a very hard thing to do. Like, again, sketches, I mean, yeah, you could have skits that are, uh, you know, based in, in, in a certain kind of comedy. Um, but a lot of it is, is character-driven, impressions-driven, um, not just funny skits. You know, like, like on Mad TV, we did a skit uh, where basically Michael McDonald could customize his farts. So whatever you wanted... 
if you had a certain flavor you wanted, a certain scent, he could customize his farts. And he would, when he would fart, he would just do the most outlandish physical shit with his ass. Um, and look, that's not character driven or impressions driven. So yeah, 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 you can do some funny shit. But even still, the instinct, the, the, the improvisational skills. When you do a scripted sitcom, the words are on paper. It's there. You know, it's, it's, it's your character. You're, you're a regular, consistent character, and the writers put words in your mouth. With sketch, you have to be able to improvise. You have to be able to play different people. You're not just one thing. It's a very hard thing to do. Did you ever watch Fridays when they had that? Uh, that was an improv show, Fridays? Fridays. No, I never even heard of that. That was the one with Michael Richards was on it. No, I never heard of that. All right. Larry David was on it as well. Um, it's, it's funny how many people come out of the sketch, though, and, and improv. I, it was never something that I thought I'd want to do, but I gotta, uh, when we get back to reality, I, I want to I try it. Really? Yeah, I never wanted to. I, I used to act a long, long time ago. Um, right. But I never, I, I would like to try it. Uh, do you think you'd be able to, like, seriously, instinctively go off the cuff and improvise? And I, I, know, I would like to learn. Stuff? I would like to learn the the improv techniques. But yeah, I think I could. I could go uh, if. And, and again, I guess this comes with like what they say is trust with acting. I feel like if I have people there that I trusted, yeah, I think I could go much further. Dude, I remember we did a skit, and this was during the height of Whitney Houston's. Uh, drug popularity, uh, and actually we 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 spoofed it. Diane, I don't know if you remember when Diane Sawyer did an interview at Whitney's house, and that's when she came up with the crackers whack. Show show me the receipts. We did a skit where basically Mo Collins was Diane Sawyer, Deborah was Whitney, I was Bobby, and at one point she's interviewing me and her sitting on the couch, and uh. Deborah goes, Diane, you want to make love? And I and I and I shoot out a roll of condoms. And at one point, um, me and Deborah start arguing, and we go from like fucking hostile arguing to make it out. And at one point, I grab Mo and kind of bring her into the makeout session as though I'm trying not to let Whitney see it. So basically, all three of us end up humping on this couch, and when it's over. Deborah happened to have her legs open and Mo just happened to be sitting like right in between her legs. And I said, and this wasn't in the script. I went, God damn girl, look like you gave birth to a white woman and the audience died. So that's what I'm saying. That type of shit. That's what that is. Did they, and there's nothing like that. Did they leave it in? Yeah, they left it in. That's awesome. Yeah, it was in front of a, it was in front of an audience and the audience howled. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Unlike a scripted show, you can create those moments. And that's what defines you and separates you from, from, from everybody else. That's why I always felt like, listen, I get it. These people on these sitcoms pulling 80000 a week, fucking a million an episode. I'm sitting here like, not trying to shit on what you do, but it's so formulaic. Ba-doom, boom. Set up, punchline. Ba-doom, boom. You don't have to sit in a, in a chair for three hours and get prosthetics. You don't have to fucking improvise. You don't have to go off the cuff. You don't have to pretend to be different people every week, play a character. What I do is way harder. And I ain't 
pulling down 80 G's a week, a million an episode. That's what I'm saying. That shit with Belushi, him feeling how he felt. But if I say that, then here we go. I'm a dick. When I'm just sitting here going, yo, I work 10 t- We all did. I'm going, we do 10 times harder work than these motherfuckers on sitcoms. It's way more challenging. But... But you don't the think money don't match. The money don't match. You don't think that Belushi, though, because he did say what he said, you don't think that uh, hurt him in any way? I don't know that he was that vocal about it. They never said that he yeah. was that vocal about it. Even even when Chevy left, I mean, they recorded. He would record things for the show. Even uh, Lauren Michaels talks about the the and shows they show clips of the video that they never. Uh, sent out when he couldn't when he broke his did he broke his leg or he was sick and he couldn't well by that, by, that, by that time by that time he was he had been a, he become a star so he was turning into asshole mode oh so he wasn't like that from the jump so if you're big enough you can be as big as an asshole as you want dude i i was listening to the podcast the other day and i said it genius is forgiven when when you when you and think about it if you are the reason why people are watching the show if you are the hit that makes it a hit. You, you bring it in money, revenue, advertising dollars, more viewers. So you people tolerate your shit. Yeah. Now but- there's a point where you ain't going enough's enough. But yet, when you're a genius, when you're good, when you're the star, people tolerate your shit. But the people behind the scenes also, when they have the opportunity to take down that person, they go for them as quickly as possible. Well, they try. Yeah. They try. Yeah. You know, as soon as there's a break in that, uh, I'm not bringing it, it, their, their popularity is down a little bit. Let's write it different. Let's let's take them out. Let's let's cap their knees, man. Let's 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 get them. Listen, out of listen. When when Allen Iverson was at his peak, uh, one nobody Philly wasn't getting rid of AI. They weren't going to get rid of AI. But once you you start to dull a little bit in your in your skills because you're getting older, nigga, you out of there. Because now you ain't the dude no more. So, so you have yeah. to, there's, there's, again, it's a sliding scale. Yeah. Your popularity and money versus your uh, ability and your likability. Right. Uh, where we at time wise? We're there. All right. Well, that was good, man. Uh, we had, uh, I had other shit, but. Yeah, I know. We still, uh, have, we still have all the Reagan stuff, but we'll, we'll get yeah, that one next good. one. Dude, I got to tell you a funny story I heard real quick before we go. I'm recording this. Right? I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, my man, Murder Mook, who y'all might remember, I played his rap song when he was on Funk Flex, Hot 97. Uh, battle rapper out of Harlem. One of the best. Uh, he was on Drinks Champ, Drink Champs. And this motherfucker told the funniest DMX story I've ever heard. He goes, yo, one time DMX was in, in Yonkers on the street corner, battling a motherfucker. Rap-wise, these two motherfuckers is battling. And he goes, everywhere DMX went, he always had his dogs with him, meaning his pit bulls. So he's battling this dude on the corner, in the, on the street corner. He got one pit bull on the right side of him, another pit bull on the left side of him. Somewhere within the verse, DMX went, something, something, and my dogs, they go bite him. And the dogs on cue went, he said, chill y'all. Let me get him. <laughs> that is fucking crazy. <laughs> I would have lost the battle. Just got that like, yo. He, let me, let, I'm pretty sure I didn't, 
he's running. Sup, sup, I did it. My dogs, they go back. And the dogs went, and he said to his dogs, yo, chill, let me get him. Uh, That's crazy, dude. Yeah, big shout out to Drink Champs, too. If you guys get a chance to check that out, you should. Um, yeah, man, that's it. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> guys, uh, if you would like, please check out our social media. Uh, it's all Spearsburg Pod. Uh, that's our everything from our YouTube page to our uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and our uh, Facebook page. Uh, listen to the you people who've been watching the video on YouTube. This week's has no video. Uh, if we can cut something together, we'll try to do it, but we're not going to be together until um, Thursday. So um, it won't be – we might make some videos that we do at the in, in uh, Arlington, but it's not going to be the same. So uh, we appreciate you uh, listening, uh, and uh, what do you got, Aries? Yeah, um, so as always, uh, this one lady wrote me an email because she was pissed off and called me all kinds of fake – because she was like, I sent you money and you ain't play my, my nephew's song. I thought you was a real one. So then, of course, I hit her back and checked her and was like, sweetheart, again, do you know how many motherfuckers is ahead of you? I'm going to get to you. You just have to be patient. So I promised her I would squeeze her nephew in uh, for, this, for the ending of this. So without further ado, uh, you can't the say, guy's name. You can't do nephew as, as Snoop Dogg? You can't say it that way? Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> hey, Aries, hey, I need you to play my nephew, cuz. Get him on. Let let niggas hear what he got to say. You feel me, Uncle Snoop, nigga? All right. Um, his name is I guess it's Peso Maker Three Hundred. He's from Cashville, Tennessee, and she puts in parentheses, aka Nashville, as though I wouldn't know that. Uh, yes, sweetheart. I'm not one of those. Uh, how much that CD would? I'm a little sharper than that. Um, Peso Maker 300 is from Cashville. His handle is Peso Maker 300. That's P-E-S-O-M-A-K-E-R 300 on Instagram. Uh, does she say what the song is? No, she doesn't. Uh, but anyway, uh, enjoy, y'all. Peso Maker 300 from Cashville, Tennessee. Again, his IG is Peso Maker 300. Love y'all. Go ahead. See you next week, right? Go ahead, nephew. Uh, hey, go ahead. Hey, do your thing, nephew. <laughs>
hold a grudge Keeping it clean like soap with suds Meaning my attitude isn't too casual When I ain't mad at you Making me spazzing hot tamale Gotta have temperature, need to relax Then sit back and zone out with myself Like holding the blunt and I ain't gonna pass uh-huh. I got a lot on my plate Instead of crying, I'm saying my grace So much food in front of my face I'm gonna eat it right away Go with the flow like a tidal wave Checking my streams, I'm doing numbers All about green like a cucumber Born in December, the winter's my summer Working my butt off from sundown to sun up Love a bitch with me, she ran like a hummer Put her to sleep, she ain't wearing pajamas Sleep no dance, she ran like a llama Ooh, ain't no way I'ma fall in love Done it before No, I can't give up All I wanna do is get paid Bad bitches tryna get laid And also we're looking at the rent pay Yeah, so what? I'm cooking with pie, prepare for the roast I'm a dressing I'm like a ghost I ain't gonna see you when you do the most Making the plays, I became a coach My whole team lit, hot as a torch Skills legit, not only your courts Making them packs, not only on fields You can be hot, I stick in your chills Taking my side, you lying for real Get the fuck in my squad, you down to kill Feel it, baby.